Well, amen. What a blessing. The music has been once again today. Just really look forward to the music every time we assemble ourselves together. It's just a blessing here at the church. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and uh, look with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 13. He actually, chapter 12, chapter 12, we're going to get into chapter 13 as well. We're going to start reading in chapter 12, verse 25, read down to chapter 13 and verse 4. And so if you would stand with me, we'll read the word of God together this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bond with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we bow before you this morning, again, we thank you for the opportunity that you made available for all that have taken advantage of it and come this morning. All of us that have assembled here today, God, are needy, and we are looking to you to speak to us this morning, draw us closer to you, give us a better understanding and insight into your will for our lives. I ask God that you would use me once again as an instrument in your hand to bring forth your message to your people from your word. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. The book of Hebrews is a powerful book of the Bible, especially as we transition from Old Testament to the New Testament. It reveals much about the New Covenant, how that Jesus Christ is better than anything and everything in the Old Testament. It was the Old Testament preparing us for God's will for humanity, and that is the New Testament covenant. So as it reveals much to us when we go through and study the book of Hebrews about the new covenant, the new testament that Christ revealed to be the will of God for all humanity. That's, that's what's key. Uh, the, 
for some 2,000 years now, you hear me say this often because it, it's something we need to be mindful of, is the New Testament has fulfilled, Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies and the laws. In fulfilling that, he established New Testament Christianity. We've had this for some 2,000 years now. New Testament Christianity is what humanity needs to focus on. Now, praise the Lord for Old Testament and all the different stories, Bible stories, principles, all that helps us when you understand that. But the focus ought to be on New Testament Christianity. Uh, Over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, let me just read to you, verse 7 down to verse 10, it says this. So then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book is written of me to do thy will, O God, this Jesus Christ. Above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not. That's what Old Testament did. Neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Didn't have, that was just preparing us for the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to do thy will, O God, to establish New Testament Christianity. He, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Take away the first covenant, establishing the second covenant, take away the old, new, to establish New Testament. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Praise the Lord for that. That, So that that helps us there. And so understanding that, now we look into what we've read here this morning. In this New Testament church age, we are to serve God. So everything he said here in verse 28, leading up to verse 28, says, Wherefore, we receive, we, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, okay? Once you get saved, you have been given this, this eternal life. And we have been given and we receive the kingdom of God. Uh, we live it in this world. We live to represent Christ in this world, which is representing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And then after our life on this earth is over, then we go to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, we have it. That's what he says here. Wherefore, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God. The grace of God is so important because we live in the age of grace. I mean, God is a gracious God, always has been. But we need God's grace to be able to accomplish and live as God would have us to live, accomplishing all that God would have us to accomplish. We can never lose sight of that. We need to look to God for the grace that will sustain us and help us in every area to fulfill the will of God for our lives. That we may let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Reverencing God with this godly fear, reverence, for our God is a consuming fire. God is a God of judgment as well. Understand that. God is a God, he is a God of grace, but he is a God of judgment. And then he says, let brother love continue, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. All the different things there, it's, this, that has to do with the New Testament church age. Remember them that are bond, uh, they're in bonds and has bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body, 
And then he says this because this is so very vitally important to society that we live in today and living as the Christian life as God would have us to live live it. Marriage. Probably one of the most misunderstood things in our society today. Probably one of the one of the things of God that God has established that is under attack more today. Marriage is honorable in all. In this New Testament church age, as we look to serve God, biblical marriages would be the foundation of service and the things that matter most in the home. In the home. Biblical marriages establishing the home. The church. Biblical marriages establishing the church. And society. The thing that God has established that will impact the world more than anything else because it impacts our homes, the place where we raise our children, which affects the church because the church is made up of families and society. Everyone comes from a home whether it's functional or dysfunctional, everyone is raised in a home. Biblical marriages. Marriage is honorable. That word honorable means highly esteemed, regarded as most Precious. Wow. We think of everything going on in the world today. Do we really look at biblical marriage as being something that needs to be highly esteemed? Do we really regard biblical marriage as being most precious? The reason it is to be honored, the reason it is most precious and ought to be highly esteemed is because marriage was designed by a holy and a pure God. Biblical marriage is holy because it was designed by a holy God. Biblical marriage and everything that goes goes together to make up a biblical marriage is pure as God designed it. Last week was Mother's Day and we preached a message on Eve, the mother of all living. Man needs an Eve because that makes the marriage. Children must have an Eve to even be given life. Without an Eve, you don't have life. Without an Eve, you're not raising children as 
God wants them to raise because you don't have the right home, the biblical marriage, the biblical home. And the last thing that I preached on last week was concerning Eve was that Satan desires to destroy or to sift all Eves. Because he'll have his will and way in the home and the church and society if that takes place. So this, this morning, in between Mother's Day and, can I tell you, Father's Day's coming? <laughs> in between Mother's Day and Father's Day, I'm going to be preaching messages on the home. Starting this morning and then next Sunday, it'll be Sunday morning and Sunday night and then the third Sunday morning and then Father's Day will follow that. And the first message is marriage is to be honored. All that are here today will fit into one of four categories. Everyone here, you're going to fit into one of four concerning marriage. The first would be not married. I won't let, have you lift up your hands because another category you're not going to want to lift up your hand, but not married. Some are not married who would want to be married. I'm not going to lift your hands, but I know that there are several that are here that are not married, but say, mm, Lord, send me a husband or Lord, send me a wife. I'm not married, but I want to be married. And then there's others here that are not married that uh, don't even consider it they don't want to be married most of those are possibly in the children in, in the children's ministries and it may be even some junior high and high school I don't know I, but most of them would say huh, I don't want to be married so that's the not married and then we have and in this congregation here this morning looking around the majority here would be married some happily married this is where I don't want you to raise your hand <laughs> because then some that are not, you say, I'm married, but <laughs> not real happy about it. Can I tell you that that will change as you go through a life of marriage? Sometimes you're happy with the marriage. Sometimes you're not happy with the marriage. It might be an up and down type of roller coaster, but you're married. That's another group that's here. Then there would be a group that's here that have, is divorced. Never in the will of God, but at the same time, it takes two to make any relationship what God wants it to be. And one person cannot sustain a marriage. And because one person cannot sustain a marriage, divorce is inevitable in certain situations. If somebody does not want to stay married, then you can't force them to stay married. And there's a divorce. There is life after divorce. We serve a God that does not shelf us, but there is a permissive will of God for all that go through whatever types of sins that might have scarred your life or affected you in some way. But there is life after divorce, but there are those here affected concerning marriage. You're affected by divorce. And then the fourth category, there's some here this morning that are affected by death. 
and you're a widow. Can I tell you that as a widow, you need to personally remember all the good things that you experienced in that marriage and realize God has left you here to continue to serve him. Don't ever give up on life. It's going to come soon enough, and you're going to see your spouse once again. If you're living and serving God, but you're here this morning and you're in that fourth category of a widow, you're affected by biblical marriage. So with that in mind, with everyone affected somewhat by this idea of marriage, do you know what the Bible teaches about it? We're living in a day and age where churches are not even teaching biblical marriage. Leaders of so-called churches do not even qualify with a biblical marriage in their own lives. God gives us qualifications, and one of the qualifications for a pastor or a deacon in his church is biblical marriage. Do you know what biblical, the Bible teaches about marriage? Are you aware that there is a spiritual warfare working to keep you from understanding it? God reveals the importance of it. If God reveals the importance of it, you better mark it down. The old devil, there's a spiritual warfare to try to keep people from understanding the need and understand what it, what it is, the definition of a biblical marriage. Yeah. Hebrews, revealing everything about this new covenant, this new testament, Marriage is to be honored. Today's worldly mindset is marriage is outdated. <laughs> Traditional marriage just does not work any longer. If it was designed by man, I would agree with that. But when it's designed by God, I do not agree with that. Amen. Biblical marriage... It's timeless. It was designed by God for time. In heaven, it's going to be better. We'll have better relationships than even marriage. But in this life, it's one of the greatest things that God can give. Marriage is not outdated. Society has changed, but it's not time for a change when it comes to marriage. It's time to hold on to God's plan. God's message to us today is honor my design for marriage. Marriage 
is honorable. Over in the book of Mark, and I, of course, this is something I use every time I perform a, a wedding, and this is something, no doubt, that you've heard me preach before several times, but this is what Jesus taught. Jesus was the one coming. That's what Hebrews is all about, it, it, presenting this New Testament covenant for God. It's always been God's will. Even in the Old Testament, it was always God's will. Man was not fully understanding, did not fully comprehend that, but it's always been God's will. And Jesus reveals exactly what has always been God's will concerning marriage. And he says here in Mark in chapter 10, verse 6, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Definition of a male is God's male. Definition of female is God's female. Yeah. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Marriage makes you a wife if you're a female. Marriage makes you a husband if you're a male. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, marriage, what God hath joined together, let not man or man's philosophies put asunder or separate. Honor God's design of marriage because marriage is to be honorable. The second thing that we find here in chapter 13, honor by an abstinence before and a permanence after marriage. You don't hear that today. Honor by an abstinence before. Abstinence. Yeah. The Bible here says, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. God is a consuming fire. The bed, whoremongers, and adulterers, those three things, refers to acts of physical sexuality. I don't think in a congregation, and this is an ad- basically an adult congregation here, and I'm not going to go into specifics. I don't think I need to. But we have to understand that these three relate to the idea of sexual relationships. The bed after marriage is undefiled. After marriage. And honored by God for marriage, which is holy and pure. Wow. That's powerful right there. Before marriage, 
there is to be abstinence. No sexual activity. No sexual activity before marriage is honorable. It's only honorable as we understand it is what God designed for marriage. And if it's not honorable, it will be judged by God. 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. There's much in the Bible that helps us understand this, but this is about as clear as it gets here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. And verse 9, the Bible says this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous, they're, they're not doing it the right way. They're not allowing God's righteousness to govern their lives. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Shall not go to heaven, basically, is what he's saying here. If this is the life that you have, and you can continually live in that lifestyle, then you are not saved, because God would, would be bringing conviction and chastisement if you were, and because of that, you cannot go to heaven because you can't be saved and continue to live in a life of sin. As a Christian, as a born-again believer, you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, which is God living in you, and he's going to convict you, and he's going to bring chastisement into your life when you do those things that are not honorable to God. So know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Sexual activity outside of marriage. Fornicators. Nor idolaters. Nor adulterers. Relationships with those that are married. The sin of adultery. Nor effeminates. How we need to understand this is what the Bible says. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Abusers of themselves. Talking about sexual activities that is unnatural. I'm just reading to you what Jesus Christ established some 2,000 years ago that is timeless that has not changed. That which is honorable and that which is not honorable. And that which is honorable, you have the blessings of God upon. That which is, is unhonorable is not honorable, you have the judgment of God upon it. That's what the Bible says. How can we stop preaching what the Bible says just because society wants to go in a different direction? Verse 18. Flee fornication. That means that it's a temptation. There's something that starts changing in our, in our makeup, in our bodies. We start experiencing hmm, change of voice. <laughs> Teenagers start changing physically. You start noticing a change in what used to be the Tom girl. The tomboy, Sorry, things start changing and you start no noticing things that you didn't notice before because you're starting to mature and you're starting developing certain things and 
And there's temptations to think about things you shouldn't be thinking about. That's natural. But the Bible says, flee. That means don't give in to those temptations. Don't give in to those thoughts. But realize that what you're doing, you're developing and preparing yourself for a day when you will find that right individual and God will bless marriage between a man and a woman. And when that day comes, then that blessing of God is pure and it's holy because it was designed by a pure and holy God. But Satan is going to attack you more in those teenage years. He won't give up even as you get in older age. It's a tool that he uses quite often. But possibly the most important would be before marriage in the teenage years. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication. Now this is important here. Sinneth against his own body. That sin of fornication will do more damage than what you can ever understand. He goes on to say this. What Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So why not just give in to society and why not just accept whatever the world is accepting in relationships prior to marriage? Why is because it's not honored by God? but it will be judged by God. God designed a very powerful tool to keep a marriage together for life. It's a powerful tool. It's one that is pure and holy, but it's very possibly one of the most powerful things physically that we will ever experience. Because it was designed by God to keep a marriage together for a lifetime. Wow. But that which was designed by God as something good is a target for the devil to use as something very evil. And outside of marriage, the devil will have his way. And he will use it. Outside of marriage, it's a loss of purity. A loss of purity. You know what kind of damage that can do a teenager after the fact? They realize what's taking place and you can never have it back. Some adults are scarred by that very... Same thing. It's a loss of purity. It damage, damages minds. That's sinned against his own body. 
It damages your thinking. It brings confusion. I guarantee you, once you have yielded to that type of sin, then you are more of a target for the devil to get you further into that sin. It's more, of a, it's more addictive than drinking alcohol. It's more addictive than drugs. And yet we have a generation of teenagers that are hooked on alcohol and hooked on drugs. And they, once they started, if they would have never started, they would not become alcoholics. If they'd never started, they would never become drug addicts. But because they started, because of the power of that drug, they just keep on wanting to go back to it and keep wanting to go back to it. Because it's a tool of the devil to control an individual's mind and feelings. We need, to, we need to understand the truth of it. We need to understand what the Bible says about it because this is the truth about it. There's no such thing as safe because it's of the devil. He'll use it to affect your body, your mind, your feelings. It's the hardest addiction to overcome. Not only that, it, outside of marriage, it leads to broken homes. Adultery leads to broken homes. We have a mindset today, even, I mean, this come up in churches. I've had pastors tell me they've had to deal with this in their own churches, open marriages in churches experiencing different things because that's what the world is opening up to and that's what listen to me that is of the devil and we need to see it as being of the devil and that is something powerful that you don't even realize what it will do to you but it will destroy marriages it will break up homes it will bring addiction into your life it's a, something the devil uses that's why the Bible says, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. <laughs> I don't want the judgment of God. Is the judgment of God on my life individually? Yeah, no doubt. The judgment of God be upon my family? Yeah, no doubt. Could the judgment of God be upon society? Uh, yeah, no doubt. It's going to get to the place where God will destroy the earth. Yeah. The judgment. I already did it once before. This time it will not destroy it with a flood. It will be destroyed by fire. But it was because of the sexuality of humanity and how far they went with it. And every thought and imagination was evil continually. God, the consuming fire, judged humanity. Abstinence. Marriage is honorable. Understand God's plan for marriage is honorable. But in honoring it, it's honored by abstinence before and permanence after. 
permanence after. <laughs> it's God's perfect will. And it's honorable for a lifetime. <laughs> Two, becoming one. Wow. <laughs> In marriage, that's what takes place. What God's design and everything that follows that first of all, comes with God bringing two together and two becoming one and being married to each other. And those two individuals now in heaven, in, my, in God's view, has become one. And God designed a way for them to become one and be one. No matter what kind of troubles and trials of life may come, you have a, you have a companion. You have somebody that's going to love you. You have somebody that's going to stand by your side. You got somebody that's going to take care of you when you need to be taken care of. And God's design for marriage, permanence. That's God's will. That's his perfect will. Don't lose sight of that. It's what's honorable. It's what's honorable. Ephesians in chapter 5. And let me just read this to you. Ephesians in chapter 5 and verse 31. For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh, pure, holy, honorable. <laughs> God's gift in marriage. It's been said that marriage, marriages are recognized by God in heaven, but must be worked out on earth. <laughs> and that is true yeah we got to work make sure we have the right choice so it's so very important that you wait until you understand wait until you've matured wait until you realize God's will for your life choose that man that God has for you girls choose that woman that God has for you, guys. Because marriage was designed by God for life. Not just for a temporary time period, but for your entire life. And in that, God has given you a powerful tool that's inside of the will of God will keep your marriage together. Look to God. Those that are not married but want to be, don't jump into anything. It's too important of a matter. Look to God. Look to God. Those who are married, God desires you to be happily married. Look to God. Not too late. It's never too late 
to make your marriage what God wants us to be if both are willing? Both of you look to God. Continue to improve. Continue to make your marriage better. Continue to live together as one. Look to God. Divorced. Sometimes it's inevitable. Just make sure you're doing everything you can do. Try to stay married. Because it's too important of an issue. But if it has separated and you are living in a divorce situation, the most important thing for you to do is look to God. Don't look to the world. Look to God and understand that God has a future for you. Those that are widowed. <laughs> Look to God. Only God understands what he's doing and which one of you went first. <laughs> I've often said, I, I just want to go together. Can't imagine my life without my wife. If God chooses, I would rather him choose me first. Is that selfish? I don't know. <laughs> I tried to go out, get, get, I tried to leave a few years ago, and it just, it, God wouldn't love me. The widowed, God has a future plans for you. Whatever that might be, look to God. Look to God. Make sure you're doing all you can do to honor God's design for marriage. Don't ever dishonor, but do all you can do to honor because marriage is honorable. If I could have ever head bowed. We need... Our society needs this message. They need to understand God's design. Our homes need to be committed to God's design for marriage. Our churches need to encourage God's design for marriage. Let's not lose sight. Individually, and collectively, let's honor God's design. Father, we bow before you now. We do love you. And thank you, Lord, for the, your truth. Clear understanding written down, recorded for humanity to understand. Help us to honor what you have established. Blessed in this invitation now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.